recording this week with a greater variety of glasses than we've ever had before. Welcome to Hand of Pod. I'm Sam Kelly. Uh, we, we've got uh, I've got a what looks like a very poshly shaped I'm guessing um, cognac glass or something of, of that ilk uh, sitting across the table from me with uh, one of those sort of Coca-Cola half pint glasses, rather tall ones is Dan Edwards. Good evening. And uh, between the two of us with a Coca-Cola Zero. Kind of one Mission Impossible Phantasm Protocol. It's from the cinema. It's from the cinema. It's from, cinema. It's from yeah. cinema, apparently. Is yeah. is Jock? Oh, no. um, we've got a not not a hell of a lot to to discuss this week, but what we do have is is a um, an absolute avalanche of goals which we had this week. Thirty five goals in ten matches, uh, eleven or twelve of which at least were were proper golassos. Um, and Joel's going to start us off there because he saw probably the most thrilling match of the weekend, right, Joel? Yeah, yeah. After, as you said, one of the, the brilliant weekend, and uh, of course I went to the only nil-nil. Um, that said, it was it was a good which game, was? which was Tigre Newells. Um, the Mitre line meant that I missed uh, the first twenty minutes because I left with like so long yeah. to go. I mean, with a good two hours before the game, <laughs> and a train didn't come until like an hour and forty after I'd been. What was that Sunday, right? Pretty annoying. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but it was, it was ridiculous. Sunday afternoon, it was busier than you know yeah. weekend. Plus, you got to think some morning. at least some people are going to be going to the football. You know? <laughs> you would, yeah, well, you would have thought so. So anyway, uh, so I arrived a bit late, so I missed a couple of chances for Newells, but it, but I enjoyed it because it was the first time I'd seen Newells live this week, this this week, this uh, this season, and um, and they're brilliant. They just play really well. You know, they pass it really well. Um, it was interesting because I was listening to the radio. I was listening to the one of the Tigre. Um, Fan supporter uh, chat uh, stations because everyone because they're playing at the same time as River, so nobody was obviously broadcast no, on the the, the Tigre Newell's game. Um, and obviously they're immensely biased and, and what have you. But they did say that Newell's were kind of playing as if they'd already won it, and and the Tigre the, the commentators were sort of saying this was a bad thing. But I mean this is the point. The Newell's play with brilliant confidence, pass it really well, great movement. And so like I said, although it was a nil nil, um, I actually really enjoyed it. And um, I think it was a really good value to go and watch. This moment. is something I want, I want to ask you actually, because you're saying um, that game finishing in finished in a nil nil, which still leaves uh, Newell's at the top, I believe, two points clear of their closest challenges. Who I'm sure we'll get onto later. But <laughs> you see the statistics, and in the nine games so far, they've only hit um, ten goals, yeah. and three of them, I believe, came against yeah, River. So well, yeah. They only conceded four, three of which were. Against River, River as well. Yeah. So is it kind of is it just like bad luck, which means they're not hitting the target, or is it like a flaw in uh, playing style? Even though it appears, yeah. I mean, I've watched them and yeah. they play very nice football. Like, is there any kind of way you can you can rationalise it? Yeah, no, I agree. It's a funny situation isn't it, as well because um, all the players uh, t- afterwards, Tata Martino was saying that he felt 
Um, he wasn't too upset with the players. He was really pleased with the performance levels, and but the players were really annoyed that they hadn't that they hadn't won the game. I mean, Scott so, so, um, Coco missed a, or however we had to pronounce it. Scott Scott uh, he, he missed. A, I mean, a, a very easy chance. I think he thought it was offside. Um, they hit the woodwork a couple of times. Tina hit once. Um, but the point is just that they they get forward in numbers and they do yeah. create a lot of chances. I mean, it, it, you're right. It's an interesting stat that not, yeah. they haven't actually scored that many goals. Because in a way, it's very like. You know, just going on the stats alone, obviously, we've seen yours and we know they're obviously one of the best teams in Argentina at the moment. But you kind of can't help looking at the stats and looking at uh, Martino's time in Paraguay where there's a very similar thing. Like They might not have scored many goals, and, but all the goals kind of counted towards something, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. You know, the points they got or the results they got in relation to how many they actually scored, I mean... The best example is getting to the final of the Copa America in 2011 without winning a single game. The, the, like, the main he just seems think, to be a very effective coach who can kind of like squeeze the last yeah, drop see, out. The, the main yeah. difference, I think, being that nobody could possibly accuse Paraguay of playing thrilling, beautiful football, uh, even, even under Martino. Unless they've had a recent head injury now. No, precisely. Um, yeah. But, yeah, but it's, it's interesting, it's, it's, yeah, just the comparisons you can draw with these like Martino teams are like, yeah. really very, very hard to beat and... But, but that's Very the thing. Though. I mean, they're, they're hard to beat. But it's not just because they just sit back and, no. and 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 give the ball away. I mean, they pass it really nicely. I mean, which is part of the reason why I mentioned that comment by the TV uh, supporters slash journalists mm. because um, because it's true they did, they did play. They don't quite quite play with the intensity maybe, no. but they had a lot of possession. They passed it really well, and I mean, they regularly get like three or four forward yeah. to um, in in good positions. But um, but you're right. I mean, obviously they're not scoring yeah. that many goals at the moment, so, and it may that may hurt them. I mean, that's a game on this weekend that they really should have won. That's from, it. Yeah. From the other side, one thing I've been wanting to ask you since I realised, John, that you went to the game. I saw you, I saw you tweet something about it when you got back, which is uh, when I realised you've been there. Uh, how did Tigre do? Because they're now one of we'll get on to the reason exactly why, but they're now one of just two teams left who haven't yet won a match after nine games. Um, as we said, a lot, particularly in the early weeks, they were quite unfortunate not to get at least one win in those first kind of four or five matches. Um, how on earth do they hold the only unbeaten team left in the league to, to a nil-nil draw when Newells have been, as we've already said, really impressive otherwise? Yeah, you're right. I think um, the same goes for them. I mean, the stats just aren't telling the whole story because, I mean, they play, again, they play pretty well. Um, Arrua Barrena is, is, I find, very similar sort of personality as, as Tata Martino in terms of very open and honest and, and, and just, you know, down the line, doesn't mess about. And um, and again they've got they've, they've got some good players. I mean obviously they're missing like Cachete Morales and Luna and and Martinez and what have you. But um, but Tino don't don't play bad poorly at all. Mm-hmm. What I did see, which I hadn't seen before, is why you're so upset about Lucas Orban because he's he's a really good <laughs> left back. He's he's really really strong. And before you've just been humouring Sam. Yeah yeah, yeah yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. just kind of winding him up a bit more. But um, but no he uh, you know he, he brings the ball out. Well, he's he's, uh, he's he's a lot stronger than I than I kind of uh, than I, I realised before, and um, yeah, he's a really, he's a really good left back, and I mean, yeah, they're pretty well organised, and it's just bad luck, really. I mean, anything in, in the end of it, at the end, either team could have could have taken it on Sunday, but um, as I said, I was pretty annoyed that uh, <laughs> I got the nil. <laughs> because at the same time, as, as Joel's already said, um, that match was played at the same time as River Plate's visit to the champions Arsenal de Sarandi. Um, still doesn't sound right. A, a match when I no, it doesn't. But I'm going to keep saying <laughs> it because we might be used to it by the time they're no longer champions. Mm. Um, and that that was a match which last week I predicted was going to be a, a River win, and I said when I predicted it that I felt like I was really sticking my neck out. 
Um, River ended up winning 4-0. Um, not a massively impressive performance, actually. Was although not? Three of the goals were... Three of these these golazos that I've already mentioned. Um, Leonardo Poncio opened the scoring five minutes or so before half-time. Carlos Luna scored a cracking uh, volley um, yeah, to, nice. to double the lead. And then Rogelio Funes Mori weighed in uh, late on with, with two goals of his own. Um, He's looking quite like Mario Gomez now with his haircut. <laughs> and I think it's quite an interesting uh, comparison because he, he does go from the sublime to absolutely ridiculous in terms of uh, his performance levels. Uh, I'm not saying he is Mario Gomez, but, but you're right, I mean, he took that goal really well. And actually his, his second goal, the fourth, was a nice, was a bit, I thought, a nice little finish as well. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the third, the, River's third, his first was an edge of the box blast and then yeah, the fourth was um, very clever little run to get him behind the defender from, from the free kick. But the thing that really struck me about River more than the, the attacking intent and it was quite interesting that this is one of the um, one of the only matches that they've played without David Trezeguet uh, at any point in, in the season, um, who of course has, has not had his shooting moves on unfortunately so far this season, was they actually looked solid in defence for a change. They, they looked, I, I don't know whether you saw it, Dan. I saw bits and pieces of it, yeah. I saw most of the first half and then sort of the last 15 minutes. Yeah. Well, it's the tried and tested Maradona tactic. Well, exactly, yeah. Four, I mean, four centre-backs. Some of which yeah. is brought on himself by, as you've hinted, Lucas Oran being let go and, and then Gabriel Mercado obviously being injured now uh, out for the rest of this year. Um, but for whatever reason, it seemed to, to work. They just, uh, Arsenal couldn't break through. I mean, other Arsenal have, you know, a couple of decent attackers, one of whom was sent off, Carbonero. Um, River just looked like a, a completely different team to the side that yeah. lost the last, was it two games, 1-0 to, to Racing and then I can't remember it who it was. 2-0 against Vélez. Oh, you're right, of course, yeah, completely played, played off the pitch by Vélez. They, they looked completely more up for it. And okay, it has to be said, Arsenal have now lost four in a row themselves. Um, well, I think, but, yeah, I'd say one of the really nice things to see from that game, I mean, apart from, you know, it's an absolutely crucial result for River if, if they'd gone down in Sarandi and lost their third game in a row, that's, that would have put a hell of a lot of pressure on the team, the coach, uh, Passarella, pretty much anyone who's ever been to uh, the River Stadium like, would, have been, would have been feeling the pressure. But it was nice as well to see, um, I think, more than anything, like, the players seemed to really rally around um, Almeida after the yeah. game. And they all come out and said, like, you know, we love this coach, we did it for him and all that. And, you know, it's something you can't always take, take for granted in Argentine football you get. No, even players well, aren't shy about saying if they don't like a coach, they'll well, say it. Well, I mean, very clear example at the moment is happening at Boca, isn't it? Exactly. That is yeah, that's incredible. That's contract. a parallel I wanted to make with yeah, the two yeah, teams. Yeah. And, and it was something. it was a no, it's Sunday, good. You illustrated the point. Certainly made Sunday a fantastic day to be a River fan with first of all that, and then Boca failing to beat ten man San Martin de San Juan. Uh, Rolando Schiavi. Rolando Schiavi was, was the man of the match for that one, right? I mean, in, in more ways than just the traditional sense of that phrase. He, he defined the, the narrative mm. of that game so much. He um, gave away a penalty on about 30, 32 minutes, um, for which he really should have been sent off. But, but Absolutely. Um, I thought it was quite a soft, I thought it was quite a soft every decision week. in the first place, actually. I mean, I, I mean, there is contact. 
Probably is, but I think it was quite soft anyway. But it was that much yeah. that much contact. Alright, maybe that's alright. But 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 either way, um you're right though. If it has been given, regardless of whether it was or not, uh, it's last minute it's last man, it's uh, yeah. and it's it's stopping a goal scoring chance, which is in fact the law, it's not if you're the last man it's stop, it's preventing a goal scoring chance. And uh, yeah, absolutely should have been sent off. Absolutely. Um Sam I think scored from that penalty to go one 0 up about uh, what five minutes later or something I think it was uh, maybe ten minutes later uh, there was a, a penalty for Boca um, as a result of which Gaston Caprari was sent off for handballing it what was it about five or six yards off the line or something um, which was a correct decision in and of itself but in the context of, of Schiavi not having been sent off a few minutes previously it makes it look um, very yeah it made, it made it look uh, let's say what some of the conspiracy theorists might might suggest is unsurprising at La Bombonera in in uh, quotation marks. Let's say Schiavi missed that penalty; it wasn't even saved. He screwed it wide at the post, and then right before half time, um, scored a twenty yard daisy cutter, but a, a really good hit um, to to make it one one. And after the second half, Falcioni seemed to chuck everything, including the kitchen sink, at San Martin, and they somehow held out ten men at La Bombonera when they didn't have an away point the entire season before that. A fantastic performance from them. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was pretty amusing to watch as a Rim fan yeah. in, in many ways. Well, did you guys see the, the press conference afterwards, Falcioni's press conference? I didn't see no. that. No. It was astonishing. I mean, there is, there is such an anti-Falcioni mm. mood uh, at the moment in Boca. And there's lots of conspiracies. Obviously, Raquel May left this season, and, and uh, I mean, without putting too fine a point on it, one of Raquel May's basic agents, if you like, or... Advisors is one of the journalists who covers who covers Boca. So, um, so basically, I mean, an incredible attack on Falcioni, and they just won't take any of his answers. As uh, you know, and they're bring, they're drawing up one that was a brilliant example. They drew up a, a remember a quotation by by uh, Pablo Maltin from months ago. You know, and uh, Falcioni brilliantly said, um, Maltin, where, where's he playing? Uh, Turkey, right? Turkey. Yeah, right. Okay. And they just completely dismissed it, but but there was just a constant attack, and uh, and the big story really before the game was that Pablo Lerma was uh, was left out mm. because he spoke out against uh, Falcioni about the tactics, about the the relationship between the the, the, the squad and the uh, and and the coach, and he was left out of the uh, out of the team. It sounds like Lerma is not going to be played for well, while Falcioni is still there, one of the best. Attacking right midfielders really yeah. in the country. I mean, it's it was, incredible. To see. I think probably in the it was a Klausori kind of right, not the mm. Apertura. Yeah. Like the one that Boca kind of just fell short of winning after fighting three fans. But for me, it was definitely one of the players of the tournament for that season. Like so many times, you know, arriving late in the box and, and knocking them away. Yeah. That real revelation. Yeah. So if he's going to be left out, kind of out of spite, I guess you can say, like it's going to only increase pressure on Bassioni again. As we said over and over again if Boca don't start winning again while Boca were winning it's fine but they lost that one game against Lanús and now all of these problems have suddenly you know the journalists have almost breathed us our relief they can just start unloading all this uh, dirty laundry of a club in crisis now they don't win ever again if you're a Boca fan and a Falcioni fan and you don't want to see the two separated then don't panic too much because let's not forget that a week ago we were discussing Matias Almeida being under pressure with River and where was River's next win going to come from um, and it turns out to have been a few days uh, yeah. after that. Um, from <laughs> River's point of view, the one uh, I'm not going to get too excited yet. They're, they're going to have to repeat it. They've got to do it again. Not necessarily 4-0, but uh, they have to win again this weekend. It's 
they've still not won at home. Which so is, the Vens we get? They're playing Godoy Cruz at home. Um, but have you heard the, uh, the Boca apparent master plan that will come in uh, in December if Fasiano leaves at the end of his contract? It'll be um, the Mishisos. Yeah, uh, Who's Lanus side did what this weekend? They James? lost to Always. They did. 2 1 away. Yes. Um, Ivan Borcello got one, was it? Or two for All Boys in that match. However many he got, it means he's joint top scorer again of the, the Toneo Inicial now, um, along with uh, Emmanuel Gigliotti, I think. Oh, yeah, Gigliotti got two. Yeah. I, I had no idea this game was on TV, but my next door neighbours are Lanus supporters. And the whole family are, and um, and they just screamed after the uh, after the opening goal because it was a hell of a goal by Ashala, the Uruguayan. Every single, I mean, Golasso gets kind of overused a little bit, doesn't it? Oh yeah, sure. But but, but this one, I mean, with every single repetition, it was just got better and better. I mean, such a hit from uh, from the young lad. So um, he kind of chested it down and had a couple of defenders on him when he. Just smacked a volley in from a not narrow angle, but a not exactly you know perpendicular to the goal it's, line. It's definitely one to look up if you, if, you can, if you haven't seen it already. Definitely recommend it because it's uh, yeah, it's a brilliant goal. It's Skoko's up there. Cool. Yeah. So the top scorers uh, Borgello and Skoko with Ekoko, however the hell we're saying it, with, with six goals and Cesar Carignano of Atletico Rafaela who has five. Um, Along with Rogelio Funes Mori, who's also got five, as I mentioned. Now, I've been for Rafaela and Carignano. Carignano's up there because of a hat trick, or did he score two? I'm just going to count them up now. One, two, he scored twice. No, he didn't score a hat trick for Amitigo Rafaela in a 5 3 win of Rakitino Juniors, which, quite aside from being the highest scoring match of the, the weekend, I think I would have to say of the ones that I saw at least was the most entertaining as well. You know, yeah, I missed that because I was on the way to Racing, but yeah. It, it, was, uh, it was quite something. I can do that for 2-1 down at half-time, 3-2 up, um, if I'm remembering correctly, about 10 or 15 minutes after half-time. And then Rafaela just sort of ran away with it in the end. And, and another fine goal uh, to finish it off from, I think, from Karin Yeah, from Karin yeah, it was. It was the fifth one. Brilliant, really brilliant nice shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think um, I saw as well that uh, Figueroa hit the net again. The yes, Argentinian yes, Argen- yeah, yeah. kid he scored a hat trick the week before. Yeah. yeah, you're quite right. Yeah, well, it's well, a bit of a bit of a run. Yeah, yeah. But, but also for, for sure. I mean, if you're going to watch one game in Argentina at the moment at the weekend, then Argentina Juniors are the, the team to see. Absolutely, I mean, six goals last week and eight this one. Um, They've scored six and conceded eight in the last yeah. two matches. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but uh, which which underlines the next point I was going to make, which is that they, from Argentina's point of view. The attack suddenly doesn't seem to be a problem. I mean, for the first year and a half of Hand of Pot's existence, Argentinos were barely involved in a decent match. Ever um, since Borghi left, basically, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, they, they've suddenly been involved in these, these two in a row, fantastic against a 3-3 draw with Union the previous week, during which they threw it away with two very late goals against a side who they really should have been, because Union are one of the two sides left, along with Tigre now, who are still without a win. Um, and... What's going on with Arcadinos? They've, they've, they've got most of the same defenders that they had before. They've not suddenly forgotten how to how to play the game, have they? How to you know head a ball that way rather than towards their own goal or whatever. Well, Estrada said it, Denise. I mean, if you score three goals, I mean, especially away from home, you just can't lose. You, no. can't, you just can't do that, and it's, it's just sloppy mistakes. And I mean, the, uh, the yeah, the defending. I didn't see the game. I saw the goals, obviously, though, and the. Uh, 
poor just yeah, just disorganised defending. Yeah. Um, but as I mean, Australia's got every right to be annoyed though, because if you, if you have scored three goals away from home, and if you score three at home as well, um, you know you really should take take all the points. So, uh, but that's the thing. On the one hand, they're doing things right. You know, they, they are getting the goals. They're not getting thrashed. Yet, but, but on the other hand, then. Uh, it's like a very similar <laughs> situation we saw, was it, last year with uh, Gore Cruz. And they just seemed to score yeah. and score and score, but again... They, they scored could, three goals to get yeah. a point, because they just couldn't... Because they conceded at least two, yeah. Um, Incredible. Another thing, in fact, which, which, is, which I've been reminded of is that that match was um, the first time this season that any team has hit five goals in the NECL. It was the first time this season that any team who aren't called San Martín de San Juan had hit four goals. Um... <laughs> And, which is a bit bizarre in itself because San Martín have, have only won those two matches at home, their, their last two home games. Um, and immediately after it, we heard, as well as Arsenal River, which of course was 4-0 to River, we had as well, damn, uh, the game that you've already said you were at. Yes. Which finished was another 4-0 in favour of Racing against yeah. San Lorenzo. Yeah. Unfortunately, we couldn't convince Mariano to come on this week. Uh, no, it would have been really good to have Mariano on, not just... To rub it in his face, but also, with, you know, because San Lorenzo a club, you know, after that result, they're in absolute crisis mode now. And basically, and this really is a crisis. This isn't like the no, this is a crisis, crisis for the capital C. And they're basically in a situation now. You can say I think it was a little bit hard on Racing that almost all the media after the game focused on this kind of despair at San Lorenzo rather than you know praising a team for winning a Clásico yeah. by four goals, which doesn't happen almost ever. Well, you did only less two of those goals yourself, so yeah, two of them were own goals. No, but also, I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's the third Clásico that Zubaldi has won, and going back to the, you know, are, are, are the coaches on, you know, his job's on the line. And that was I mean, what Zubaldi, that's the situation Zubaldi was in. Exactly, not two as weeks bad, ago. But yeah, two yeah, weeks. Two, before the River game, yeah. everyone's like, oh, Zubaldi, if he doesn't win, yeah, he's... Yeah. He wins that. I was like, oh yeah, but still they played rubbish. Yeah. And now he's beaten what River Independiente and, and San Lorenzo. San Lorenzo yeah. Three three classicals. Yeah. I mean, that's a pretty good record. And I think the real difference we saw with uh, with Racing, which it was pretty much the same team as went out that went out against uh, River, when a really really kind of negative defensive performance. Uh, you know, a little bit more of a, an attacking game plan, you can say. But the real difference was that um, Javier Campora came in mm. instead of Jose Sand, and it completely changed kind of the dimension of the attack because uh, Sand's kind of a very physically limited player who you know, likes to get the ball straight to feet, hold up, and he doesn't really offer you anything in the way of mobility. Uh, whereas Campora, you know, he was always moving, kind of linking up with others, coming out wide, coming back in. It was just like watching a whole new team, and I think this was something. Everyone who's been following wrestling at least for this year and who's seen, who saw Campora when he finished top scorer in a team that got relegated yeah. with Huracan back in 2011. Yeah. Yeah, that uh, was 2011. Yeah, yeah. Kind of knew that, you know, he's not, he's not Higuain, he's not Samuel Eto'o, but he's a very good striker for the level. Is he, um, so is that him then, do you reckon, settled in, in, in the starting eleven? I think he's got to be, uh, just, yeah, as I say, he's not the greatest striker in the world, but... He just gives the team a whole new look with the youngsters he's got around him. People like Centurion and in Vieto, the two played very, very well on Saturday as well. And also Fichardo also puts in like a mammoth effort for every single game. It's funny what you just said there about the you pointing out like he had a, he had a 
great season despite Ulagan going down. I mean, as you said, top scorer. And it was funny because Chino Luna started for River as well. Yeah. And and it was like, oh, Chino Luna's playing. It's like, this guy was top scorer last season. Yeah. It's like, and... And there's just kind of no respect. It's, like, it's no respect for any team. That respect that for, for, the five, yeah. for the results and for evidence of you know playing well, scoring goals. I mean, yeah. Chile Luna did it for Tigre, which obviously they I mean you know as we all know the situation there. Uragan went down, yeah. but Campbell was top scorer. And yet these players don't have. I mean, I don't know. Maybe they don't play the game. Maybe they don't. I don't know. Play the game in terms of the media game yeah. that, that other players perhaps do obviously they haven't played in, in Europe and big teams in Europe but still it's just I thought it was interesting because everyone was like Chino Luna was like oh god Trezeguet's out Luna's going to play he's got a brilliant goal yeah. brilliant goal but Trezeguet's with I still love him but he's been playing like crap for, yeah, well he's not, not like crap uh, he's been well, taking goals up yeah, yeah, as, yeah. as I said earlier he's not had a shooting boost well on anymore. that point though I think it's ridiculous that they haven't I mean everyone's been running like all the River Plate sites Ole yeah. they've all been running the should Trezeguet play yeah, yeah. Even after are that, we re- are we really going to yeah. argue about this? Mm. We'll talk about. It. I mean, it's just no. It's, it's just not for me. It's a non-starter. But obviously, it's for, no, for a lot of people here, they yeah. they want to want to argue about it. There's an interesting parallel actually between uh, River and Racing in that case because uh, Trezeguet, as you say, was uh, didn't play against Everton Island. Yeah. One of the players who didn't play for Racing on Saturday, just as he didn't play from the start at least against River, was uh, Mauro Camoranesi, his old Juventus teammate, which. Again, I think it's interesting to hear from wrestling fans because that's kind of one player. They don't, they're not tied to the name. Right. Maybe because he did everything in outside of Argentina, it could well be. But it's kind of you can see his his uh, his physical form, his fitness hasn't really been up to scratch at really? the start of the season. Not helped by the fact that Racing have had a, a lot of games at the start. So basically, Zubeldi's decision for the last two games has been to bring in uh, Bruno Zoccolini. I think we mentioned before, kind of a 19-year-old uh, brother of Franco, who was a real idol in racing while he was a teenager as well. And yeah, at the same time, it's like these kind of little changes that bring a whole new dimension to the team. Kind of Zuccolini's just a little pit bull terrier. He runs across the pitch, like tackles, marks everything. And that's definitely like a change. You know, you see a you just see a team overnight, which is more dynamic. It's more kind of forward thinking, more more motivated. It's just interesting how, like, taking a couple of these other guys out who have the name behind them, you know, Pepe Sand and Cameronese are very well respected for what they've done through their careers. Yeah. And then just bringing in a couple, of, a bit of new blood, it definitely seemed to rejuvenate the team a bit. It's interesting as well that that's happened as a result of, of Cameronese's fitness issues in large part because one of the things that Carlos Luna said after um, after Sunday's game was that he he's lost a lot of weight recently. <laughs> Cut out the asados, as, as he puts it, um, and lost something like two kilos, two and a half kilos, which is in a couple of months. Yeah, not bad. Um, yeah, it's, it's not yeah. bad. Um, but then, but he, he failed, of course, the the medical with Lanús, mm. which is why he didn't sign there. Yeah. And then the following day, what, what was the signing that fell through for River? They were after a striker. I forget which one. Uh, was, Hada. No, no. Was it Hada? It was another was one. Struppelos. They were linked with. They, they were linked with so many players yeah. that, or maybe it was Guti. I can't remember. Okay. <laughs> No, I think it was struck by before we right as we signed Luna. But, but I mean, he, he he did um, sorry failed the the uh, the medical yeah. there with 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 Lanus. He said it was a problem that he's had always, and yeah. that it's, he would fail with it. But um, I mean, he had it when he was when he scored all those goals with But um, but still, I mean, uh, you know, it goes back to it. Just yeah. uh, you know, had a, it's, it's 
just bad luck for him. He's going to get dropped immediately. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. get, despite the fact, as I said, he's, he's top scorer from last season. Yeah. And you would have thought he'd get a bit more, a bit more of a chance. Yeah. See if we can say. I think we hinted at um, the crisis with our capital, capital C in San Lorenzo. Basically, you can you can tell that um, Caruso, our favourite coach in Argentina, as he's lost the board and he's kind of he's lost the dressing room and. I think it's what three defeats in a row now for San Lorenzo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, two, at least two, at most three. Yeah, and they lost to Racing this weekend. It's gone. They lost to Dallas at home yeah. three this week, and then the week before that they lost away to Newell's Old Boys. Yeah. so three pretty hard games for yeah. in San Lorenzo situation. They can't afford to be losing three in the truck. And the latest thing we've, we've just talked about two players with really highly respected careers in Europe, Trezeguet and. Um, yeah. And that other one, the Italian bloke, Cameronese. Um The latest that, that, that was. Did you not want to hold your hold your sign off that time? No, 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 it's yeah. fine. Um, <laughs> that, that was that was genuinely me just forgetting yeah. his name. I mean, <laughs> um, the latest that's been in the papers today is that uh, another uh, player with a hugely respected career in Europe, um, albeit not necessarily that respected among fans here, they they call him a pirate as a result of it. Uh, Juan Sebastián Verón might be making a comeback, not not to the pitch, but to San Lorenzo's board of directors. Right. Um, Tinelli has announced that he wants Verón to become manager in inverted commas in the Spanish word no, manager, um, like a sporting director for San Lorenzo. And Verón said that he's going to need a bit of time to think about the proposal. I think he's well, yeah. laughing too hard to give a serious answer at the moment. Because meanwhile, what the situation that San Lorenzo have got with um, Caruso is that. Uh, Caruso's not going to leave under his own steam. Cool. And he's got, I think, a two-year contract worth um, something like six million pesos. Or about. It's, a, it's a lot of money they have to pay yeah. off, isn't it? So exactly if they know. terminate his contract, they have to pay that in full. Yeah. So at the moment, you know, they're with a coach that they don't want anymore and they can't afford to sack him and he's too... I don't know how you'd I'd necessarily translate Gararura to, to resign. Maybe he's shameless. Yeah. So, too hard-headed hearts. It's probably the yeah. closest I can come up with. Yeah. It's sort of a mixture of hard-headedness and shamelessness, I guess. Yeah, like. just twattishness. Yeah. Um, so this is this is the thing that like, San Lorenzo haven't got a penny to their name at the moment, and it's yeah, it's going to be tougher. And like, I can't think who they've got next week, but if they don't win, I think they're going to have to probably bite the bullet and get rid of Garusa. Isn't isn't that We're what to ask they start on beef? Well, if we're going to win, that's the place to get it. Yeah. Noel Morale, I think, just lost 4 0, right? Well, we so San Lorenzo could. So. Oh, no, wait, because San Lorenzo. Cricket. Isn't this what Barabara was for? <laughs> just threaten the man. I'll tell you, if on Thursday he gets a visit to his home and decides to resign to spend time with his family, it yeah. wouldn't surprise me. Historically, that's what they've been there for. There's no. Yeah, we're not, not discovering anything in the air with that. I mean, it's uh, that's always what what their job's been, right? To, to support group for for the presidency, to, to to silence the criticism at the ground. If well, there's quite, any, yeah. any of these kind of things he's doing, so it'd be interesting if if anything happens there. Got, obviously, I say this because San Lorenzo has a massive bad issue yeah. last season. Um, you know, they were in. They were somehow. I say somehow. They got into the changing room after the training session. There were punches thrown with the captain, with the with Bottinelli. You know, um, a bit of a, a very difficult situation. Yeah. So. Then I get the kind of a slim sensation. I'm not sure where I get this from. That the batter are probably one of the few people that don't mind seeing Caruso there because he's one of these like you know he, he fights in the street and he does all that kind of thing. Like 
I don't know if that would have won him any, um, any street group with, uh, with the ladder. <laughs> they might be scared to go in his house, to be honest. <laughs> we all saw his um, pugilistic skills. This is true. <laughs> that would be a fun kind of thing to suddenly see on, on TV Public News or something at some point. Camera sticking it in his face when, he, yeah. <laughs> when the batter go around. Um, two matches that we've not mentioned yet. Kinemes 1-1 draw with Belgrano. The main notable thing of that was another... Fine goal, uh, Guillermo Farré hitting it full on the volley from about 25 yards out to oh. equalise for Belgrano about two or three minutes after Kilmes had taken the lead. Um, Actually, Kilmes were very unlucky not to win that um, in the final minutes. Over. Yeah. Just threw everything, everything at Belgrano, but they managed to survive. Like, they seem to have a, a knack of doing this, Belgrano just really kind of digging in and, and getting the result. Absolutely. Um, that was the first game of the weekend. In fact, I, I said two games that we haven't mentioned. I meant to say three. Um, Godoy Cruz beat Estudiantes 1-0 in, in Mendoza um, with a goal from Mauro Orbolo. Again, a fine touch oh, right. header. Yeah. Um, deserved win, I thought, that one. Um, and good, good, result. good result. Yeah. And, and Union became one of only two clubs, them and Tigre, to still not have won a game because Independiente and the other club who haven't won a match uh, beat them 2-1 with two goals from Ernesto Keyboard Farias, um, who's so caught because of his, the straightness of his teeth, apparently. Um, this is what Australian Dan told us when he was still here earlier. It was um, good to see, though, that, that he was scoring the goals. I remember when, uh, when Independiente signed him, they paid a lot of money for him, and this is a club that hasn't got any money at all. And, um, <laughs> Which makes you wonder about the business behind it. But well, well sure, but no, but they've been, Independiente have been very open about this. They've, yeah. um, they've uh, I mean, they published who owns, how much, you know, percentages of who owns transfer rights and what have you. So, I mean, I think they've been, been very open about it. But, but nonetheless, they paid a, a lot of money for him and it's good that he's finally, I mean, he's, he's scored goals already, mm. but, I mean, this is what they brought him in for, right? A kind of, you know, a game against a, a fellow struggling side like Union, mm. and he scored two goals. I thought they were both really, really mm. well taken goals. I mean, not golazos, but just you know, good strikers' goals. And uh, three points. I mean, uh, that's what that's what they brought him in. Well, they doing well. In terms of talking about the, the threatened teams um, in the relegation table, Union are now bottom. Independiente second bottom, and San Martín de San Juan third bottom. Those are the relegation places. San Lorenzo just above San Martín and Quilmes, who started off really well. Um, have fallen away a bit. Now they're, they're fifth from bottom. <laughs> Again, um, I think this is now this is kind of a normal thing. For yeah, these uh, newly promoted teams. Well, exactly. Yes. Just last week, you know, River last were week, in yeah, there, and then were three points to take them straight up. Um, yeah. Just above Kilmes, we've got Newell's old boys, who I think by the time we get to the end of the initial, are going to be more than safe yeah. the way they're going at the moment. And River Plate, um, Rafael and old boys, so you know beyond that, I don't think there's too much chance of Argentino say going down. Um, as long as they keep up what they're doing at the moment. The positions in the Inicial, Newell's at top, 19 points from 9 games. Racing, Veles and Boca all have 17, Belgrano and Godoy Cruz 16, Colón 15, um, and then there's a bit of a fall away to, to Rafael and Estudiantes and River and Argentinos. Um, so essentially you've got the top 7 within 4 points of each other still. Brilliant. Um, so it's shaping up to be a very interesting second half of the, the championship, or is it second quarter of the championship? Second half of the first half. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It, it's it's, all, fraction. it's, it's very irritating. We're, we're still not entirely sure what's going to happen now. Um, we're going to play some music now, and when we come back, we're going to, first of all, very briefly discuss Wednesday night's 
friendly, uh, if such a thing exists, between Argentina and Brazil, between Argentina Z and Brazil what, B, let's say, um, more or less, on, uh, in, in Chaco. And then we should answer a few of your questions, so don't go away. very concentrated and we're going to zip through all this very quickly because he's got a very important um, cup final to to play in which is why he's currently switched from Fernet and Coke to Rum and Coke. Um, We uh, have had a few questions, we'll get on to them in a few minutes because on Wednesday evening, which is going to be a few hours after this pod goes online hopefully, he he says touching wood and and crossing his fingers and all sorts. Um, You're doing the cuernitos. The cuernitos. You've seen the uh, Falcioni does it in Mostazzi. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They do it. They just uh, the, the, the cuernos, the, the horns, and they just uh, throughout the game they just have them the, the cuernos yeah. in, in the hand, the sign, just yeah. kind of just, just down, <laughs> supposedly just yeah, them. yeah, sort yeah. of Argentine equivalent of crossing your fingers, I guess, isn't it? Yeah. Um, because a, f- a few hours after the podcast goes online, anyway, there will be a friendly between Argentina, um, as I said before the the break, Argentina Z and Brazil B, um, another of the, the local uh, Super Clásico de las Américas with, with teams from each side made up only of players playing in their own league and the opposition's league, which of course means Brazilians only playing in Brazil and Argentines who play in Argentina and Brazil. Um, at the moment it's looking like Sabella's going to go with the same team who got that valiant 2-1 defeat away like a couple of weeks ago, right? He says yeah. they're going to attack a little bit more. But it's, it's the same formation. That it's the same formation, the same setup, exactly the same players. And so I'm going to say, I'm going to say exactly the same thing as last time. Like, I don't like the team. I think he's picked the wrong players, and that's it. Yeah. I if he's not going to bother people. picking a new team, I'm not going to bother, bother picking a new one. <laughs> I did see a couple of people um, kind of lamenting the fact that it was Grandona picking the team in midweek. You said that. I think there's much in that. No. Do you really think Grandona's got hasn't got better things to do than? Than, than tell Sabella who to pick. He's got a world to dominate. Though. Yeah, yeah. I really don't. I, I just can't see that at all. He's, he's too busy counting all of his money in his Swiss bank cards. I would say though that the uh, unless the, they make Grandona Junior, which I could possibly see uh, as that's, more. That's a possibility. That he's, that yeah. he's closely involved with. Yeah, that is a possibility. Um, I think they should um, get. I think Umbertito. they should get Alfio Casilo Junior to to manage the local national team. Yeah. Just let <laughs> a couple of weeks. I think the dream team of. Um, yeah, Basile Jr. and Emiliano Diaz is like, <laughs> it's ready to take the world by storm. Uh, we should say we something should about that. We should get Basile Jr. on this. Seriously, He speaks pretty good English, doesn't he? You, you think? I think so. He tweets occasionally in English. Yeah. I'll have to tweet him and ask him whether he yeah. wants to come on at some point. God knows, I don't think we'd have enough for that for him, but uh, we'll see. <laughs> well, anyway. We can sort that, and I think he's got some yeah. great stories to tell. <laughs> I'm sure. Um, Argentina Brazil is being played in Chaco at about 10 o'clock local time, I think it is, or 10.15 local time, or something like that. Um, which, for those of you in England, is, is going to be at like 2 o'clock in the morning. Don't bother staying up for it if you're listening to this as soon as it goes online, because it's really not going to be a treat for you or anything. Um, yeah, the, the coverage today was so little <coughs> yeah. on, on the sports it's channel. It's struggling time, um, I should no, say. No, no, really. On DC and Fox, I mean, they were all talking about San Lorenzo. They all went with the Caruso uh, press conference where he apologised, by the way, to, to journalists and, 
neighbour in the world for disrespecting him if he did. And there's, 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 there's very little interest really drummed up here. I mean, um, and I think Dan really uh, showed it with, with what what you said there. I mean, there's just people are annoyed at the formation, at the players, yeah. very little interest in it. And, and the fact that they're playing for, as you kind of said, you know, a draw or a, a, a low scoring defeat. Yeah. Or maybe nick a 1-0 in yeah. the best possible scenario. Well, this is the one thing I was thinking. Because last week, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I know the first leg was, in order to be contrary with you to, I remember predicting that Brazil would win in Brazil, Argentina would get an arrow win in Argentina, but that Brazil would win an aggregate. And, of course, that's proved impossible, because if Argentina get a win in Argentina, it's not going to be an aggregate win for Brazil. Um, the the first match having been... It's a kind of analysis people want to tune in to. This is what people... So does, does anybody know... Okay, what the regulations are. If it finishes 1-0 to Argentina, do Argentina win on away goals or is it a penalty shootout? Or question. Being South America, I'm guessing it goes straight to penalties. Yeah. With an extra time or anything. I think like they'll be penalties, yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't think they could possibly... No, there's no way they can have extra time. This is your, <laughs> your hand of pod Argentina-Brazil expert preview. We think it will go straight to penalties <laughs> in the events of a 1-0 win or a one-goal win for Argentina. But we're not sure. It may be or it might not. Um, Neymar has been involved in some controversy or something, hasn't he? This, this weekend in Brazil. Well, he was Mauricio Romano said he needed to leave. Said he needs to leave Brazil, um, which is a, it's a big story because yeah, he got sent off as you said then for for for, for, for stamping. It was two yellow cards. I mean, I think to be honest, both were kind of possible reds in themselves. But um, but more, as I said, Mauricio Romano, his, his coach, said he needs to leave, right? Because he's he's been victimised and it is getting to a point where. He really does need to. Mm. He's got to go to go to Europe. But was, I thought it was interesting. I don't know what you guys think about this. About him going to Barcelona. The, the talk is that that's all done. Apparently, there's a deal for him to move. When can you see him fitting into Barcelona? Yes, I can. I think. Don't you be... think he has to change? I, I mean, it's a question here, but I mean, would he have to change his game like, massively to fit into Barcelona? He would have to be prepared to adapt to not being the main man in the attack. Yeah, I think it's, it's a question of mentality else. rather than, he, he rather than style. Yeah. Yeah. But, I but think. going to Barcelona and being told, right, you've been the Billy Big Balls elsewhere now for a lot of time. We've got this other guy <laughs> who's, <laughs> who we think is probably a bit better. So we're going to go agree, but we think he's a little bit better than you. Could be a, on the one hand adaption, on the other hand, I, I suspect from what Neymar's always said in public about Messi, I don't think he would have too many problems with it. He's always, you know, regardless of what Pelé has been saying, regardless of what other Brazilians have been saying, Neymar has always said, no, Messi is yeah. the number one. Um, I, I hope I can one day be, you know, half as good as he can, but for the moment he's, he's the king kind of thing. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. But, I mean, is, has this deal definitely been done where Barcelona have got first refusal, or is that... Because this, this sounds like another thing that the papers in Europe have come up with. To... It's been repeated a lot. I mean, to the point where it is probably there's probably some truth in it, yeah. So I'd say, yeah, veering, veering on being true. And if he scores a goal or a hat-trick or something tomorrow against Argentina, that's going to put another couple of zeros onto his transfer money, <laughs> right? Because it's such a high, a prestige match. Um, but, but if he can go past the Sabato, forget about it. Like. Uh, absolutely. He's there. Yeah. Um, anyway, we, we'll now get on to your questions. Um, we've had a, a few, but not too many. Um, it's always nice when we don't have too many questions. <laughs> don't know what that means. But anyway, Soul <laughs> Twin Jeff. Um, he didn't show his, his sheet of paper for that. Nah. 
No, we already laughed. Yeah. I've not used this at all tonight, actually. I should be. Um, I've brought it all the way here and I haven't used it yet. Anyway, Saltzman Jeff asks Other than Diego's Parkridge-esque, needless to say, I had the last laugh effort, what other players' books would you suggest reading? First of all, Jeff, I just congratulate you on a superb summary of Diego Maradona's autobiography, because yeah. yeah, it is exactly like that. that. Well, we were talking about Almeida's last week. We were. Sounds like a bit of a, bit of a bombshell, right? Yeah. Joel, you're the, I think you're the only one who's read Veron's, right? You have read Yeah, Veron's is pretty good. Which is called... Is, it's not... Elano V is the one written about him by someone else, isn't it? But Veron's is, uh, is called... Oh, that's right. There's another. I haven't. I haven't read that one. I've read El oh, Alavi. is or um, Begorda is um, <laughs> is by um, Sergio Maffei who writes for Ole, and but it's, it's an official. It's the same deal as Almeida's. So he hasn't written it. Yes, yeah, it's an Exactly. So um, no, that's, that's pretty good. Um, not too many sort of outlandish revelations. Though. I mean, there is the the Sorin, uh, chapter, which is which is quite interesting reading. Um, got lots of headlines um, and there's not uh, too much I know we've been accused of being too anglo-centric sorry but uh, there's not too much on Manchester United which a lot of people in, in the UK have been interested about um, there's not very much there really um, it seems like he has a very good relationship it's written for isn't it well yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean uh, but, it, but it's sorry I'm slow <laughs> this, this lap <laughs> but, um, but it's a shame though because it's, it was a massive uh, sense that you know it's where it didn't go well for him yeah. um, but it was obviously I mean I know that a lot of Man United fans still were think uh, regard him and have him in very high regard um, I'm just thinking though of, of great biographies I mean there's one that I can recommend that you don't read is a biography I've forgotten the name of the author unfortunately um, called <laughs> subtitled slightly cheesily The Boy Who Couldn't Grow Up which is a biography of Lionel Messi um, and I did a review for it which never ended up getting published in When Saturday Comes last year um, and it's dreadful just don't bother <laughs> Ooh, well on that, on that note there is a brilliant biography of, of Messi by a it's in Spanish I don't know if it's in English yet but it's um, I don't know if it will be it's Leandro Faxio Argentine journalist based in Barcelona and I wrote that today just for a Spanish website because it's a uh, it's, it's a brilliant biography of him. It's not it's not authorised, but there's an, there's a very short interview with with Messi in it. But it's just a brilliant portrait of of Messi. So if you're saying that there's not a not I'm just, yeah, I'm just want to make sure this isn't the same book we're talking about. Then we've both got wildly <laughs> different. It can't be uh, opinions on it. Spence. So we find out who's talking crap. <laughs> How do you spell facts here? F A double S double double C I O. No, it's not. It, it, it's uh, Faxio's book is uh, Messi the the kid who always arrived late but is now number one. Something like that. Really catchy name. Yeah. <laughs> Very catchy name. Yeah. El chico que llegaba tarde y hoy es el Did he did he arrive late? Anyway, more questions yeah. um, after that little diversion. Phil Carney says, when nine games into the Inicial, congratulations on getting the name right, how would you rate Guillermo Barros Equiloto as Lanús manager so far? I think he's doing all right. It, yeah. It's good for him that he's, he got that win against Boca last week because before that, the pressure was starting to build a little bit. But yeah. I think from the sounds of things, they were 
they're a little bit un- unlucky to go down to Old Boys on, on Saturday. I had a friend who went to the game. He said that it was a pretty, pretty open, pretty, pretty tight, uh, pretty close match. Does that make sense? A pretty open match, which was close. <laughs> Seems like a contradiction, but it made sense in my head. Yeah, Even, evenly matched, but but open, open, as in there was a lot of chances. Yeah. yeah, I would say he's got the the post-match patter down to a T. He said um, <laughs> he was after the mix. But he always did, right? Well, he yeah, play, yeah, yeah, exactly, he exactly. And he, he's carried that on in that case. I mean, he said um, they said uh, you know they asked him what he thought about the game. He's like, I can't, I can't analyse that game. I mean, we had a, 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 a penalty that wasn't shouldn't have been, and then their, their other goal was offside. Yeah. I, mean, I can't analyse that. If you if you want to, I can't. How can I talk about defending when we lost to a goal that's offside and a penalty that shouldn't <laughs> have been given? So he's he's got that that sorted. I'm not so sure if uh, he hasn't had a, a brilliant start to, to his coaching career. Yeah. It's not like they've you know. Really uh, set set the league alight, but um, but reasonable. And as Dan said earlier, he's already been. I mean, he was mentioned to be honest as Bob coach before he even started. Yeah, so that's pers- always going to happen, right? I think personally, uh, if he was to take on a Boca job in December, it would be wildly too soon. It could end up kind of really crushing. I really hope it doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think and then Lucy's in the right place. I mean, Lanús at the moment it's a team that's. Pretty much rebuilding. They lost quite a few players in uh, in the close season, and they're kind of building from scratch a little bit. They're probably including I imagine he's in January as well. So that would be another one. But mm. there's there's enough there. There's kind of a few a few decent players there, but it mm. is kind of a, a work in progress still. So far, they're uh, they're twelfth. They've got three wins, two draws, four defeats, and they've got positive goal difference. Just for anybody who's you know, wondering to put what we just said into some kind of context. Um, Next question is from Matthias Silverstein, who says, Love the show. Thank you. Why don't you have a support the show option? Sell Handafog merchandise, T-shirts, and is anybody on the show writing a book? Um, the reason for the T-shirts is, in fact, we're, we're planning on setting up something up on Australian Dan's website, but it's going to be bloody expensive. By the time we work out whether anybody can actually be bothered to pay the amount we would have to charge to make any money at all, uh, everybody who is prepared to pay that, we'll probably have already bought the t-shirt before we can think about starting to put prices up, because we've not got, you know, thousands of listeners, we're not the football ramble or anything, unfortunately. Um, but thank you for the suggestion, Matthias, and if we can find a reasonably priced way of, of doing something like that, we would love to. If any of you happen to run t-shirt businesses, and I fancy giving us a 90% cut of anything we sell, <laughs> then please do get in touch, it's samatastelgolsiempre.com. Um, Viva Fantasma asks, on a scale of 1 through to 10... How underrated is Lagata Fernandez as a player? No, underrated, I wouldn't say. This is the Estudiante striker who's played in Mexico. Um, Racing, River. I certainly think he was underrated when he was at River, yeah. as so many decent forwards seem to have been over the last decade or so. Um, I think. No, I, I, no, no, I think he's not underrated, no. With Lagata, I think what I'd say more than anything is like inconsistency has always been a problem, you know. Yeah. You can see him and he's. Looks absolutely fantastic for the level. Can really kind of change a game and and win Estudiantes points points on his own. And then he can have kind of free games where he just doesn't even look like he's on the pitch. Yeah. He has got one of the best nicknames in Argentina, though. the female cat. Yeah. Why is this? Does anybody know? Um. Yeah, I wouldn't. He doesn't seem to preen himself any more to me than a lot of other players <laughs> in the preen area, for instance. Um, finally, Ursus Agdos asks, will you have started with a lamentation on the quality of the football for the third straight pod? 
Um, well, really, before they answered that one, I think the answer is no. We, we, we were pretty happy this week, apart from Joe. Those, those fine goals, apart from no, Joe. And you were, yeah, yeah. Joe was happy, yeah. So, yeah. absolutely, no, it was a, an unusually good weekend. Uh, this weekend just gone. Um, I don't think there's anything else to, to mention no. just now, and we're coming up to that now, into the recording. So, I'm going to play um, some theme music now, some, some mystical sounding stuff, and then I will tell you what to bet your mortgages on <coughs> this coming weekend. Last week, ladies and gents, we've just counted these up oh, during the break. Colombellistic. No, we didn't. <laughs> um, my, my strike rate for Hong Kong, I got ever so slightly better, but I think I got, might have got three because the, the, the two goal line predictions that I, I made for them came in. Um, but for the Hand of Pod, for, for Mystic Sam, I managed to get a magnificent one out of ten. Uh, River Plate's <laughs> win against Aston Villa. Come back, Dan, only two given. The only game that I managed well, to get What's Dan used to average? Dan, I think, averaged, say, four and a half. Yeah, four, four, which is more or less the average for Hong Kong. So hopefully this will this will get a bit better for this weekend. Um, this week we're going with Lanús to beat Union at home. Um, I think that's probably going to be in banker of the week, given how crap Union are. Argentinos to beat Tigre at home. San Martín to beat All Boys at home. San Lorenzo and Arsenal to draw. Estudiantes to beat Quilmes at home. Racing to win away to Colón. Boca to win away to Belgrano, Independiente to draw with Rafaela, Newells and Benes to draw, and River to make it two wins in a row at home to Godoy Cruz. That Racing That's one is, big, that is, that is big controversial. Yeah. Colón's home form has not been that great this season so far. They won their first home match, yeah. and since then they've not won at home. And to be fair, Racing have... They've had quite a bit of joy in uh, Santa Fe recently against Colón. And there was a 4-1 there, and I think last time was a 4-2. Obviously, this is if we miss discount the, the two copies yeah, of American. Yeah, that's in interesting than what I've been. That's if we, if we forget the most recent evidence. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Of this season, with the current <laughs> yeah, players involved. Yeah, that yeah. Doesn't, it's irrelevant. Like, yeah, but, we'll go back to two yeah. years, like, yeah, you know, when Dio scored two. You know, this is obviously more relevant. Uh, but both those teams scored four goals um, just this last weekend. Obviously, Colón won 4-2 away to Venice and Racing won. Um, 4-0 at home to San Lorenzo San Lorenzo Arsenal is, is the clash of the two teams I hinted earlier who both lost 4-0 last week so that could be if you're looking for one on recent form to avoid I would suggest possibly not watching that one um, there was, I think San Martin against All Boys was another one that, that might not be all that great no they're okay actually aren't they because uh, San Martin's last two home games have been 4-0 wins I don't know if they'll do that again but you never know the way they've been going um, I think that's it Excellent. Gentlemen? Yeah. Um, English Dan is itching to get off to his vitally important five-a-side match. Um, it's either that or I'm going to serve myself another drink. And, you, know, you know what they say before playing football, two's, two's a charm, three's just too many. <laughs> Precisely, yeah. So I think we might as well have a third, right? Yeah. Um, so, for now, ladies and gents, we hope you've enjoyed this week's episode as much as you, or, or more, indeed, than you normally enjoy it. Um, if you are a new listener, please tell your friends if they're into Argentine football. Don't bother if they're not. Um, and one thing that I keep forgetting to say as well is that although we normally take your questions via Twitter, that is solely because I keep forgetting to ask people to email in. If you listen to Hand of Pod and don't use Twitter, or if you listen to Hand of Pod and for some reason don't like any of us and don't want to add to our Twitter follow accounts, 
Do feel free to email me questions during the week. How do they find that? I mean, well, go, they can go to the Handafod blog, which is handafod.wordpress.com, and send us questions via the contact form on the about page there, there as go. well. Um, but yeah, feel free to email questions in if, if you if you don't use Twitter, um, because we we would love to get some from email people as well. We often forget about you because Twitter's just easier for us. But I do realise we have listeners who who aren't into it. Um, that's it. So goodbye this week from English Town. Goodbye. Goodbye from Joel. Goodbye. And goodbye from me. Goodbye. Yeah, it's going to change quickly. No, you say Moyen after every single Moyen. Yeah, I don't realise it until I'm editing it. I'm editing it. It comes in all the time. Sorry. No, no, I apologise. Moyen is just a fine music. It's a little quirk. It is, it is. It's a little quirk. It is, it is. It's a little quirk